Amen. Can we clap to God again today as you're taking your seat? Okay, let's do that over. Now sit down and now let's clap to God. We can't do two things at one time, right? That's too hard. Good to see you this morning, guys. We're so glad about you joining us in our second service. We had a great first service this morning. And as Randy said, we're excited about our newcomers class. We have uh, so many folks that we're just honored and humbled that you are our guest here this morning. And uh, we appreciate you being here and coming to worship with us. We are in a series that we started three weeks ago, a series that I'm just loving because I'm really loving studying for this and learning things in my own life. We're in a series called Choices. And what we're talking about is we're talking about making the right choices in our lives and and navigating through the noise of life was the way that we looked at it in the first week of our series. And there's all kinds of things that are clamoring for our attention. And, and, you know, we want to live lives that are that are filled with with wise decisions, because, as you know, our decisions, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Amen. I mean, you are where you are today in most cases because of a series of choices choices that you have made in your life. And so what we want to do is we want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, to to allow him to assess where we are at and how to make good decisions going forward. And so we're in this book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me to Proverbs and we will be in chapter one. Keep your finger there, but also go with me to the New Testament and find the book of Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. And we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of different passages today. We'll mostly be in Proverbs. But we're going we're gonna to start in Matthew this morning and then go back to Proverbs. And you hear a lot in, in, in our society today, you hear a lot about life coaches. It's, it's, a, it's a term that I keep hearing and, and something that, that, that we hear about. And, whenever, and what is a life coach? Well, what you hear about a life coach is they are a person... That they come in and, and, and in, an, in an outward kind of objective viewpoint, look at your life, they assess where you're at, they see where you are and how you could grow, how you can improve, and they make suggestions and give you ideas on how to enhance your life. And, and, and some of you may know more about that than I do, but the, the reason is that that person is brought alongside you is because maybe you're just kind of existing through life. You're just kind of going from maybe even paycheck to paycheck, and there's no purpose in your life. You don't know where you're going in your life. So you bring someone in like that that's just really, really is a mentor, essentially is a mentor. I've always kind of known that to be a mentor. But um, we hear this over and what I, I, I over and over again, you, and God doesn't want you, as you know, just to bring you salvation, to save you, to allow you to go to heaven, which is incredible and a great thing, amazing thing that we get to experience But God also wants to show you how to live. He wants you to know how to live this life and experience it to its fullest. And that comes by knowing how to live with wise decisions. And what's amazing to me is that you and I, we actually have this opportunity to consider the wisest man that Scripture speaks of that has ever lived as our personal life coach. And that is the man Solomon, who authored most of the book of Proverbs. He wrote it along with others who it's a compilation of Proverbs, a compilation of wisdom from this time and their timeless truths. But but you have this opportunity to use this book of Proverbs that Solomon has written with the wisdom that God gave him as he asked for that wisdom from God to be able to use this to make good decisions. God wants you to live a blessed kind of life and a great kind of life. But if we're constantly making bad decisions, we end up kind of short-circuiting the blessings that God has for us by our poor choices. And so we have this great book. 
we have not only the book of Proverbs, but we have the entire countenance of God's word. And Solomon's wisdom not only comes through his own life experience, but more importantly, by inspiration of God himself. Now, if you are a believer, and I know that most of you are believers, there are some of you who are still seekers and still checking that out, but if you're a believer this morning, you also have the greatest life coach, for another way of putting it, that could ever come alongside you as the God of the universe, the God of all wisdom, the God who gave Solomon his wisdom is accessible to you, amen, through the Holy Spirit. And he wants to show you how to live your life and guide you through your life. And as a believer, you have access because of Christ to that. And that's just an incredible thing. God, God not only wants you to, to be saved, but he wants you to live a full and abundant life that's blessed. And it oftentimes comes through our choices, our decisions. Now, it's funny to think of some of the foolishness that has been believed by people throughout the ages, okay? And uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that most everybody in here has been affected by the flu or cold season. You either have had someone that is in your family that has had it or you have had it, okay? I would ask you to raise your hands to identify that, but then it, it may freak everybody out, okay? And uh, and so um, anyhow, just, just kind of give people elbow bumps if you don't want to shake hands today, okay? But here's the deal. I came across this common remedies for the last few centuries of what might help those. If you know someone that's dealing with this, these might be some things that would help them, okay? This was thought to be historical, historically wise and remedies for the common cold and the flu. One doctor said that, that if you have someone like that, that you need to take goose grease and, and spread that on their chest, okay, and then wrap them in flannel, and that will help them, okay? And I was thinking, I don't even know where you get, uh, you know, grease from a goose, and that's hard to say, by the way. I don't even know where you get that, but the geese can keep their grease as far as I'm concerned, Okay. One, one doctor said to rub the soles of your feet with turpentine, holding them close to a wood stove. <laughs> I'm thinking this guy is looking to increase his business and to bring them back for third degree burns and chemical burns as well. Um, one guy said to tie fish skin to your feet, followed by a bloodletting. Anybody had a good bloodletting lately? Okay, that would be a wise thing to do, right? Or if you have a child with fever, pass them three times under the belly of a donkey. I'd love to see a mom in the middle of the night dealing with their child who has fever. We've got to find a donkey, okay? And maybe her husband who's still sleeping, she might just see if she could pass the child under him. I don't know, okay? That's... What I'm wondering. Okay, you, uh, here's sinus problems. Stuff your nose with cut cloves of garlic. All right, now that that may help. Who knows, okay? Um, I'm not trying it, though. I'd love to hear from some of you. Press a warm, peeled, hard-boiled egg to your forehead. If you're, uh, I think that was also a cold remedy there. And this one was eat snake skin. If you'll just have a little taste of snake skin, this will help you out. Now, I had the flu back during Christmas, and I am telling you, it is the goose grease and the snake skin that has me back where I am today. And I'm so thankful. But, you know, we hear things like this, and we just kind of laugh at the foolishness that people have believed throughout the years, you know, that people would actually try these kinds of things and, and, and that they would swear by some of these things. You've got to do this. This will help you. And the Bible often talks about the foolishness of this world. By the way, the foolishness of the world is always kind of shifting back and forth. And again, we hear this today and scientifically we look at that and we, we have science, you know, that has helped us to discover that that doesn't necessarily work. Now, there are also maybe some truths and some of these kinds of things as well. 
But, but, but one of the things that God wants us to have is, is a clear understanding of what folly looks like and what wisdom looks like. Folly is what, is what the Bible often describes as foolishness or foolish choices. It's called folly. Now, as I said to go to Matthew, we're going to be in chapter 7 for just a minute, and then we're going to go to Proverbs. But as Jesus was closing this incredible, this amazing sermon that he had given, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message that's ever been preached, as Jesus is closing this out, he's going to say that there are different kinds of people that are going to take this information that I've given, given them. There are going to be those who are my hearers today that would be wise And then there are going to be those today that would hear this information, the greatest message that's ever been preached, and they will be fools and they'll do nothing about it. He's going to contrast what a wise person looks like and what someone who is a foolish person looks like. And so look with me in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Now, um, the first scripture verses that I'm going to be reading in Matthew, they're going to be in the NLT today. When we go to Proverbs, I'm going to stay in the ESV, okay? Just so you kind of know where we're going. But you can follow along on the screen. Jesus says this. Now, when Jesus finished teaching the Sermon on the Mountain, it was essentially on how to live your life, how to deal with people, how to forgive, um, how to, you know, and, and he talks about living this blessed life. Blessed are those who do this. Blessed are the peacemakers. But, and he talks about all this. It's just, a, it says that the people marveled at him when he finished because no one had ever taught like that with authority and with wisdom. And so here's what he says in verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, say it with me, church, they are what? They are wise. Now, do you notice it's not just they listen to it, but what do they do? Look, look at what he says next, that they follow this, that they listen to my teaching and they follow it. They put it into action in their life. And this is what that person is like. A person who, they're like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, a solid foundation. And though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. So, so this is what a life looks like that's built upon God's wisdom, that's built upon God's truth. When you make the choice to follow God, to listen to Christ, to listen to his ways, Jesus says that's a wise person that is going to make this the bedrock truth of their family, of their home, of their marriage, of everything. This is, and when, he says, and when the rains come, the implication is that the rains are going to come. The storms are going to happen. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's going to happen in your life. Nobody is exempt from that stuff. It's coming. You're either going through a storm, just came out of one, or you're about to go through one, right? So you'd better have something solid to build your life upon. So look at what he's going to say. Now, here's the other person, verse 26. Here comes the contrasting, uh, you know, uh, teaching here of Jesus. But anyone who hears my teaching, and I want you to read this next part with me, and doesn't obey it is, say it with me, church, is what? Foolish. That dude's a fool, okay, is what he's saying. He's like a person who builds a house on sand, like this wisdom of the world that's always shifting and changing. Some of those things that I shared with you a few moments ago, people thought that was wisdom. They thought those were wise things to do and that you should do that and that that would help you in your health. And we look at it and we go, that's bunk, man. Stuff changes. It's like goose grease. It's slick, okay? Not that I know, but I'm just assuming. And and this is what it's like. There's nothing firm about it. You can try to build your life on it and your life might be stable for a while until here comes a storm. And when the storm hits you, 
Look what he says in verse 27. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Not just a crash, a mighty one. And so people's lives get wrecked and they fall apart. Jesus says this is the the difference of a life that's built on the wisdom of God and a life that's built on the wisdom of the world. Jesus said there's clearly such a thing as a person who is wise And Jesus said there is a person who is a fool. I mean, that's clear. He's showing us right here that this is something that happens. You you likely know people that act foolish. And that you would be able to... And when we say the word fool, that comes automatically maybe up for you in your mind. Boom. Now, don't say it. That would be a foolish thing to do. But you think of this and you go, I know who that... I mean, and, and in some cases, you may be thinking, man, it's me especially as we go through what foolishness looks like, right? So the question we are forced to deal with today is what is my lifestyle going to be? Is is my life going to to be this this life that's characterized by godly wisdom? And that's what we said in the first week, that wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and then not only just seeing it from his perspective, but then living it his way. That's wisdom. That's godly wisdom. Am I going to live that kind of life? Dads, husbands, am I going to lead my family in that kind of way to where I'm going to lead us into wisdom or am I going to lead us into folly? Am I going to, am I going to, as a, as a, as a dad, as, as a spiritual leader, am I going to lead my children to plant their lives on the bedrock wisdom of God or am I going to lead them into folly? So what we want to look at today is is a big question here, one we all should take heed of. What then is a fool? What does a fool look like according to Scripture? What does that look like? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says we should not call a man a fool in anger because that's something that's reserved for the judgment of God. But one of the things that is clear is that Jesus does want us to learn from the foolishness and the mistakes of other people. He wants us to look at that, not in a judgmental kind of way, but to look at that and to discern that and to say, how can I learn from this? I've heard it said before that wisdom is definitely uh, is definitely this learning from your mistakes. Right. I mean, we want to learn from our, our mistakes, but I've heard it even I've I heard another pastor put it this way. And I think this is totally true. He said, but real wisdom is learning from the mistakes of others. So you don't have to go through some of the same consequences of your mistakes. Right. That same preacher said, let other people pay your stupid tax. That's the way he put it. Let them pay the tax on it. And you learn from it. That's true wisdom. To observe, not to condemn, but to observe and say, I really want to learn from that. That person has really messed their life up. Guys, all you have to do is watch the news and you see over and over again, celebrity after celebrity after celebrity, We shouldn't condemn them. We shouldn't look down upon them or whatever. What we should do is learn from them. (laughs) Is look at that and say, wow, this look at God. When you look at God's truth, how how might their lives have been different if they were, if their lives were built on this found foundation of the wisdom of God? I want to be wise. What Jesus is going to do, what Proverbs does over and over again, it's a great teaching method that they use. It's this great juxtaposition, this great contrasting and comparing of what wisdom looks like, what a fool looks like. We talked a lot about wisdom in the first week. Today, we're going to talk a lot about foolishness. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all the characteristics of foolishness. We're going to have to spend weeks in this, and we will. We're going to look at other aspects of foolishness. Last week, we talked about when our mouths are out of control. That's a characteristic of foolishness. 
the scripture says. Next week, we're going to talk about how when a person gives full vent to his anger, that foolish things happen, that, he, that he's a man that cannot control his emotions is a fool. We're going to talk more about that next week, okay? We're going to go in this, this direction today of, 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 of what it means to be a learner and a listener when it comes to things. Why, why does God want us to avoid foolishness? Because it complicates life. It causes much suffering in our lives. I want to say this as a side note before we, before we look at Proverbs. How many of you, let me ask this question. How many of you are parents this morning? Would you raise your hands? What I want to tell you today is this, is that you know as parents that we have a great responsibility and our hope for our children is to train them up to make wise choices, right? We want to train them up to make good decisions, well, this is so imperative for us to catch this as parents. I, I, we're all in different seasons of parenting. Many parents here today. I have a, a teenager and I have a preteen. And, and so we're going through different things right now. And, I wanna, and they're at a critical point in their life of making, really beginning to make decisions that's going to set the trajectory of their life. True? Okay? So I want to know how to help them make good decisions. Not only just me making good decisions, how can I help them? Well, uh, Scripture said we don't want our kids to grow up to be fools. We don't want them to be fools. And, and, and so uh, what we're going to see is that much of Proverbs is given to us as parents to help train our children up in the ways of the Lord to make good choices. You've got to know what a fool looks like, though, to properly do this. You've got to know what one looks like to be able to say, little Johnny's starting to look like a fool. I'd better do something about this, okay? Why does Johnny always get picked on? I'm just wondering. I, all the Johnnies, I'm sorry, okay? But, um, but, but why, why, as we look at this, what you're going to see is Proverbs is perhaps the greatest book you'll ever find on parenting. And there are some great books that are out there, but there are also some lousy ones that are derived from the wisdom of the world. And what you'll find in great ones is that their ideas are not new. The ideas are not new. Solomon even said there's nothing new under the sun here, as we talked about that when we went through Ecclesiastes. But what he's going to show us here is that there's great wisdom from God. When it comes to parenting, what you'll find in the book of Proverbs, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm urging you to make the reading of Proverbs a part of your everyday life. Every day, reading some Proverbs, whether it's one verse or one chapter, we need to be reading Proverbs because it's chock full of wisdom. You want to know how to raise your kids. It tells you how to raise your kids. It tells you so much. It deals with, in raising children, it deals with discipline. It deals with instruction. It deals with helping them make good choices about friends. It deals with helping them know the consequences and, and staying out of trouble. It deals much. The first chapter 5, 6, 7 deals with issues of sex and making good choices and decisions with that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all right there. Talks about sex being a gift from God, but it also talks about how it can wreck your life whenever poor choices are made in this area, when it's abused. Proverbs was written as wisdom for all people, but more specifically for a parent or for a father who's bringing a child up. And he's, it's written in that kind of way. So if you're looking for guidance in parenting, there's my side note there. By the way, that's your responsibility, not the church's. The church is to come alongside you, to provide support for you. As a parent, though, it's our responsibility. Amen? It's our responsibility to be sure we're training our children up in the ways of the Lord. How are you ever going to do it if you don't know what a fool looks like? She's saying, fool, get on with it. Let's go, okay? 
In the first week, we dispelled some of the common myths regarding wisdom. We said wisdom is not IQ or intellectual ability. Wisdom is not educational level. Wisdom is not uh, just because you're old. Because you're old, is not, that's not synonymous with wisdom. A lot of times we think that. Okay, You can have the highest IQ in the room. You can also have paid the educational dues and gotten your PhD or your doctorate or whatever, and you still could be highly intelligent, highly educated, and an old geezer of a fool. You could be this. Those things do not make you wise. Now, ideally, you'd be older and wiser because of the collection of life experience. But unfortunately, some people never learn, right? And so I've known some pretty old fools that have died in their foolishness as old men or old women that never learned. In the first week of this series, we looked at wisdom, what it is and what it's not. Let's just talk about folly, okay? So if you're taking some notes, here's some things to write down about folly. What is folly? Folly is something that often underlines sin. It often underlines sin. Now, a lot of sin is caused by folly or by foolishness. An example of this would be what we talked about last week. Our mouths out of control is foolishness, which ends up when when we just say whatever we want to say and we've not carefully and wisely, uh, you know, chosen our words. We end up hurting other people, which is sinful. We say things we might gossip, we might slander, we might tell a lie. Okay, so folly often underlines sin. It underlines foolish decisions and Foolish actions, but but here's the second thing to write down. Folly and sin are not necessarily the same thing. There is a difference. There are some things that are not wicked or evil. They're just stupid, okay? Stupid choices. They may not necessarily be evil. It can lead to that, but they're just stupid things that people do. And you may think, well, how are they not the same? Isn't foolishness sinfulness? You know, well, it can be, but it's not always. For example, let's just think of maybe some examples of this, how maybe it just should be stupid and not necessarily sinful. I couldn't think of any other greater way to illustrate this than how many of you have teenage boys? Okay, raise your hands. You know what we're talking about right here. How many of you have been a teenage boy? Raise your hand. You know what we're talking about when it comes to dumb things, right? When I was growing up, I may have known a teenage boy, a kid uh, that I knew growing up that may have engaged in some firework wars with friends right out here off of 156 when it used to just be nothing but fields and somehow one of his friends that this kid knew of, okay, um, he caught on fire, (laughs) And we had, to, they had to stop, they had to stop and put him out and then we kept on, okay? I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've known of, of some kids that, that maybe whenever they were growing up had um, BB gun wars, okay? Somehow it always involved wars that these kids had. And, um, and, and he and his older cousin shot each other with BBs and one of the reasons of the whole you'll put your eye out movie even came around, Okay. I may have known this kid growing up that liked to jump off of his parents' roof onto, onto his parents' trampoline and into his parents' pool all in one motion, okay? Not sinful, but stupid, right? Okay? And so many of the choices that uh, we make in life are not necessarily wicked, but 
You don't find a verse in God's word that says, thou shalt not shoot thy friend with bottle rockets or BB guns. Because I'm thinking God's probably looking and going, do I really even need to say that? It's not in there, right? How many times do you think God, and I was thinking about this this week, God's just kind of watching us and, and he's very close to us and he's watching us and he doesn't make our decisions for us. You have a free will. How many times do you think God has said, really? <laughs> and just, golly. look at little Einstein go there. Hmm. <laughs> he just jumped off the roof. How many times do you think God has said that when there's a redneck gathering? Okay, because stuff gets blown up. Really? Seriously? So there are certain things that God would say that are not necessarily sinful. It's just not wise, right? Okay. But there is also a folly that can be sinful. There's a folly that can be sinful. It speaks uh, of, of not being mentally deficient here. But this is a person that would be morally deficient, spiritually deficient, and they don't care. They don't care. They don't listen to anybody. So here's some facts. Here's what some fools look like. And you see if you know anybody like this, and maybe you, I would say, really, you don't want to be thinking so much about other people. This is a good time to go, okay, show me this in my life. Am I like this, God? And if I am, help me to begin to make changes. The first thing, if you're taking some notes, is that fools despise learning. They despise learning. And what I mean by this is seeking out instruction, seeking out, trying to, to grow, trying to be better, trying to, you know, enhance their lives. They, they think they already have all the answers. I've got this life thing down. Okay. And, and, and so this is a great verse. If you're, if you kept your finger in Proverbs, go with me to chapter one and let's look at verse seven and let's read it out loud together. It'll also be up on the screen, but this is like the theme of all of the book of Proverbs right here. We read it in week one. I want to come back to it again today. Chapter one, verse seven, let's say it out loud together. Do we have that one on the screen? There we go. Here's what it says. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's read it again, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What he's saying here is that fools are not really ambitious to learn through the instruction of others. They despise it. They reject it. Chapter 18, verse 15, and I don't know if we have that one, but let me read it to you. Here's what it says. It says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge. It acquires it. It goes after it. And the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Do you hear there's an action there that that person that is wise is going after learning? They want to learn. They want to improve. They don't just, you know, want to stay the same. They want to grow. I have a great friend from seminary. His name's Josh. And we're still, we're very good friends. We keep in contact mostly through by the phone and texting because he's now in Tennessee and he's uh, one of the pastors of a great church up in, uh, in Tennessee. And uh, I didn't know he was going to be coming in town. We've not seen each other for years. We worked on staff at a church together about 15 years ago while we were going to seminary together. He became one of my greatest friends. And he's someone that I just admire so much and that I love. And what I always remember about Josh is that even, when, even back then, Josh was such a learner. He was eager to learn. He was sharp, smart. By the way, he has his doctorate. He's, I mean, the guy is sharp, but, but he was just a learner. He wants to learn. He's always wanting to learn from someone. I remember Josh 
And I learned this from him. I remember he would always carry around this, this little notepad with him. And, um, and, and he would, if we were going to be meeting with somebody that knew something about building buildings, he would have questions in advance that he would ask them about building buildings. He wasn't going to be a contractor or a builder. He just wanted to know things. If we were going to be meeting with someone that had been successful in their finances, he would have questions in this little notebook prepared before we would ever go and sit down that he knew he was going to ask this person because he wanted to learn about finances. And he would, he would do these kinds of things. And, and, I, and, and so he showed up about three months ago on a Sunday morning, sat right over here, didn't tell me he was coming, just showed up. I said, what are you doing here, man? Why didn't you tell me you were coming? And he said, I just wanted to show up. I just wanted to see things, you know, and see how you're doing and, and love to get together with you maybe for lunch or something afterwards. And, and I said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, I came in town because there's another church that they're doing some things currently that we're going to be leading our church into doing. And, and I have sought these guys out. I don't know them, but I called them and I asked them if I could come meet with them and buy them lunch and, and spend some time with them because I want to learn some things from them before we go into this big project that we're going to be doing. I said, man, you never changed. You have, you have not changed. And that is a great thing. And, 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 uh, and, and, and so he was always writing and taking notes and wanting to learn from someone that knew more than him. I noticed he didn't take a note while he was listening to me speak the whole time. <laughs> but um, I just always admired that. By the way, he's a very and has been a very su- successful executive pastor of a great church in Tennessee. And I, I believe he is where he is because he's always sought out learning. It's not it's not book smarts. Although that's good, but it's, it's just he wants to learn from people. He wants to learn from others. But fools, they don't want to. They are content with the amount of knowledge that they have. And you can, you can give a fool a book that might change his life and he won't read it. Oh, I just don't read. you got to read this, man. It could change your life. I can't tell you how many times I've met with people that have come to me as their pastor for biblical counsel, and I'm not a professional counselor. It's not one of my, the greatest things that I do, okay? But I do meet with people for biblical counsel, and I've encouraged them as I listen to their stories, and I listen to how their lives have been wrecked by some of their choices, and I've encouraged them, listen, maybe you should take this course of action. Listen, this is what God's Word says that you can do about this. Here's what I think. You came to me. You asked me. Here's what I think you should do. Here's the plan to follow. Here's something that I want to see you do over the next few weeks, Guess what happens on many occasions? They never do it. They never do it. I've often found in many of those meetings, they're looking for someone to just basically say what you're doing and the foolishness and the sinfulness that you're living in, it's okay. Just keep on. And whenever I don't, they get mad. Here's what you need to do. Here's what the Bible says you should do. And and, and on many occasions, they don't do it. I'll say, hey, and and they'll come back for the same reason. And I'll say, hey, did did you work your plan? You've been working what we talked about? No. Hey, how about those books that I suggested that you might check into? You've been reading that? No. Did you uh, see the professional Christian counselor that I know can help you? Did you go maybe invest in that because it's going to help you? It's a great thing. Did you? Nope. And in frustration, I can feel myself getting balder while I'm talking to them. If that's even possible. And I'm like, why? Why? Why are you coming to see me then? I don't have anything new to tell you. You got to start working your plan. Oftentimes it's purely out of foolishness. It's folly. A person has to want to be helped. Amen. They have to want to learn. 
They have to want to grow. And then they get angry at God when their life gets so jacked up. I was reading yesterday morning, early. I got up yesterday morning because I had some things to do yesterday. And I got up. I was having my quiet time. And as I was having my quiet time, I came across this verse. This isn't in your notes today. It won't be on the screen. But this is what I found yesterday morning. I thought, wow, that is right on the money, God. Thank you for this today. Proverbs 19.3. You can look it up on your own later. It says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. You hear that wisdom? They ruin their lives by their own choices, their own foolishness. And then how many times are we mad at God or mad and blame other people and we won't own it and we won't grow. We won't seek out knowledge. Proverbs 122 says this. It says, how long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? He's saying you have no ambition to learn or to change. And so you keep going through the same cycles of failure and misery, making the same set of mistakes over and over and over again. Know anybody like that? I know that it's been something that's been prevalent in my life at certain times. He says, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools? What do they hate? They hate, say it with me, church. They hate knowledge. They don't want to grow. They're not a learner. You know the word for disciple, it actually means learner. It's a learner. It's a person that wants to grow. And so a fool is someone that doesn't. So I hope that you're, you're hungry for growing. More importantly, growing in the Lord. I met with a man a couple of weeks ago and I was visiting with his family. I was so excited because he just was so eager to learn the things of God. And he's a newer believer. And he just said, I just can't get it. I've got, I want to learn. Help me learn. I want to know how to be a good godly father. I want to know how to be a great husband. I, I don't know anything about the Bible. Will you help me? I'm like, man, that is wisdom right there. Wisdom. Here's the second thing. If you're taking some notes, and these are connected, but there's a little bit of a difference. Fools will not listen to good advice when they get it. Now, this is whenever wisdom comes to them. What we were just talking about is a person who seeks it out. Karen, it's a little hot in here. I don't think I'm though. I see people fanning. If you can maybe get some air moving. Thank you. Fools will not listen to good advice. And this is when someone shares something that's helpful. They just blow it off. They hate wisdom. They hate being told what to do because of their arrogance and their pride. They despise it. Look at Proverbs 12, 15, 12, 15. We read it with me out loud. Let's say it out loud. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. He's right in his own eyes. He doesn't want to listen to anybody else. He already has it all together. He doesn't even recognize that he has blind spots in his life, that we all make mistakes, that we're all flawed. There are things that we just don't see, but someone who is wise not only are they a learner and they want, they're eager to learn, but then when someone maybe comes and shares something with them that would be considered, they, they listen. They listen to the advice. Look at Proverbs 18.2. Let's read this one out loud together. Uh, yeah, it's up on the screen. Say it with me out loud. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Have you ever known someone like that, that you're in a conversation with them and, and I say, have you ever known someone like that? I could say that I've done this on several occasions where I'm in a conversation with someone. All I'm thinking about is what I'm going to say next rather than actually carefully listening to what's being said and really thinking about what I'm going to say. 
I'm thinking about how I'm going to set them straight or get what I need to say in or whatever. And there's that Bible says that's foolish. He's only concerned with expressing his opinion. Here's a third thing. If you're taking notes, fools reject correction. Fools reject someone coming along. And maybe it's not just a positive kind of thing, but let's call it this a loving rebuke, a reproof. They reject this when there's someone that is trusted in their life that can be trusted. And I'm not talking about just just someone that's harsh in correcting. I'm talking about a loving, trusted friend, uh, cohort, someone that you work with that you can trust, someone that is in your family that you can trust, and they're trying to bring some correction in your life. It says this, that fools reject that. They can't handle it when someone is trying to help them in this way. They're not teachable. Look at Proverbs 9, 8. Proverbs 9, 8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man. Read it with me, church. What will he do? And he will love you for it. He appreciates it. He recognizes the value. This takes trust, though. This takes trust. You have to know that that person means, you know, the best for you. And that you can trust them in this. The verse right before this in verse 7 says, If you keep on trying to correct a foolish scoffer, you will, he will heap abuse upon you. He's going to say ugly things to you, hurtful things. He's already foolish, and so he gives full vent to his anger. He might even physically harm you. That's what it says right before in verse, in verse 7. But a wise man receives constructive critique considers the source. This doesn't mean that they listen and do everything that everyone tells them. It's just that they receive this. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize it. I didn't know that maybe I was messing up here. Um, but I'm glad you said something about this. I trust that you love me. I trust that you want to help me. I don't want to make bad choices. This is a sad story to me very quickly though. I, I had a uh, worship pastor that I worked with. This is a long time ago. And, um, I thought was, and I really thought this person was very spiritual and very wise. And he did really well whenever I would commend him and I would encourage him and say, you're doing a great job with this. I love the way you're doing this. But I found out really quickly what he was made of whenever I had to correct him. And it wasn't even a harsh correct. It was, hey, have we considered, let's maybe do it this way or whatever. And, and you know, let's, let's think about it like this because I don't think people are getting this. I want you to do it like this, you know. And I'm, I was his boss and I'm giving him some instruction on this. And you would have thought that I had personally attacked him and attacked his family. You would have thought that I had told him that his wife was ugly. And, I mean, it, he, he, his whole countenance changed and the death eyes were coming at me. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. Okay, maybe he's just having an off day. Well, I came to find out that this was something that was also going on with the team. And anytime anybody would just try to make a suggestion or, hey, what about this? What do you think about this? He would get, he was hypersensitive, would get defensive, would jump down their throats, would say all this. They tried to speak to him about it. He, he wouldn't listen to them. And this was going on. And, and, and finally, one of them told me, this is going on. I don't know if you know this. This is happening. There's some discord among the team. And it's getting bad and people are quitting. I was like, oh, no. So I said, I'm going to call him in. I'm going to talk to him about this. So I brought him in and we sat down. And, I, and, and because I'd already talked to him once about this, I brought in uh, who was our associate pastor at the time. 
And I said, I want to talk to you about this. This is a problem that's growing. And I want to get it fixed, okay? And so here is the deal. Um, you're very hypersensitive with people. People who are volunteers, they're not getting paid to do that. They do it because they love the Lord and, and, and you know, who have no history of complaining. We've not had a problem in this area before. I know I've tried to talk to you about this before and you blew me off. And uh, you need to go make things right with your team and you need to... You need to learn from this and you need to grow in this area. And I said, I'm telling you this because I, I love you. I want to see things work out in this. And I did say, but if you can't do this, this is probably not going to work out very well for you here. I said, here, I'm just letting you know. I mean, we're not headed in the right path. Here's your chance, though, man. Let's change it and let's grow. I could not believe what happened next. You would have thought there would have been repentance and contrition and humility and maybe because a job was on the line that I'll do whatever it takes. But very sadly, he looked directly at me and the other pastor that we had at the time. And he said, I can't do that. And I said, and I could feel, again, getting balder at the time. I could feel just this, this frustration inside of me. And I, and I said, you mean you're telling me. I'm giving you the chance to make this right. And you're telling me you're not willing to improve in this area. To take instruction from now, I'm talking to you and I'm your boss. You're not willing to do this. You're not willing to... Look, we're trying to help you. We all have flaws. This is a flaw. I've got mine. You have some. But I'm trying to tell you that it's not going to work out if you don't do this. You need to go make things right. And he said, I'm not willing to. And he stood up. He stuck his hand out. We shook hands. And he walked out my door. I sat there flabbergasted. I'm like flabbergasted. Just what? What just happened here? Are you kidding me? Well, consequently, found out that this has kind of been a history throughout his life. It's been a history that's going forward. It happens. Never able to receive any kind of correction. Anybody would tell him anything. He just would get defensive and never listen to anyone. A fool, uh, whenever they are lovingly rebuked, gets defensive. They, they blame others. They are overly sensitive. They argue. They don't want to listen. And they often can't hold a job because of this. There's no wisdom in this behavior. It's this what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven is this pride. Augustine said that pride is the mother of all sins. It's like it's pregnant with folly. Here's the fourth and final thing. If you're taking some notes is that fools are unwilling to change when necessary. They're unwilling to change. You see how this is kind of they're all really connected. They're not really willing to make changes. They don't want to grow. And so they won't change their behavior even when it's destructive, even when it's self-destructive. They don't care. Proverbs 22 verse 3 says this. Read it with me out loud. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. The simpleton, the, the, the fool, goes on blindly and suffers you know, you are going to have some suffering in your life that is not caused by things that you've done. But, but we know a lot of suffering that comes in our life is because of terrible choices we make. God doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to live with wisdom. You're already going to have other suffering because we live in a broken and sin-marred world. But there are certain people that are foolish in this way. You can tell them, didn't you see these choices? Don't you see where they're leading? Don't you see where we're going with this? If you don't change this behavior, things are going to end up really bad, man. And they just say, yeah, I know. And they're stubborn and they're prideful. They don't listen. It's like, I don't know what to do for you then. 
Why won't you change? I don't like change. Well, do you like to die? Because death is change. Well, do you like to get fired? Because getting fired is change. Right? Do you like getting a divorce? Because getting divorced is change. Here's my point in this. Change is going to happen one way or the other. Wouldn't wisdom be to get out ahead of it and not to bring these self-inflicted kinds of things within our lives that cause suffering in our lives, but instead, oh, this isn't going right. I think I need to change my course of action. This is kind of how this applied for me recently, and I don't mean to keep bringing this up, but this is something that there's just so many life lessons in this journey I've been on in the last year and a half. I have to share a victory with you over, over this weekend. I finally hit 100 pounds lost over this weekend. 100 pounds. I'm pumped. There's a lady that came to church last week. She hadn't been in a while. She said, I thought ABC got a new pastor. I said, they did get a new pastor. What you talking about? And, um, and so, um, but, but let me tell you, for the last 20 years, as I can just increasingly gain weight, and, and this was a problem in my life, I can't tell you how many doctors and nurses kept telling me, Bart, you need to do something about this. The last time you came in, you weighed less. You weigh more now. It's going up. It's not going in the right direction. We're not go- this is not going to go well for you. You're a young man. You're in a job that, that can be stressful. You've got, you're a candidate for a heart attack. Things are going to end up bad. I can't tell you how many nurses poked me in the belly. I can't tell you how many times my mom and dad, in a loving kind of way, very lovingly said, Bart, we're getting concerned. You're really gaining weight. We know that maybe you can do some things fitness-wise, but you're gaining weight. We're getting concerned. We love you. And they were very cautious in the way they did that, by the way. And I would just be like, yeah, I know. I know. And, and I just kept on on this path. Well, I've told you kind of people are like, what happened? What, you know, what has made you decide to change this course in life? Well, about, about a year and a half ago, I started having some pretty serious chest pains that required some procedures that scared me. And I'm going, what, what am I doing? What am I doing here? At the same time, I was watching my brother-in-law, who's my best friend, battle cancer and lose his life unexpectedly right in front of me and all that, that was going on with this. And, you know, at the same time, my life insurance, as it was up for renewal, would not be renewed. And my life insurance company saying, no, we're done with you, man. You're overweight. You're in a stressful job. That's all right. We're good. Bye-bye. And, uh, All this is going on. You see, change is going to happen one way or another. Why not go ahead and say, how about this? How about I not die young because I'm a fool? And I don't listen to other people who I know love me. And so I decided it was a certain critical moment. I'm done with this. I've got to change my life. Change my life. It's not just a diet. I reject that. It is my life has to change. Some of you, I don't know how that plays out for you. Could be something in your marriage. And maybe your spouse has been trying to, this has got to change. This has got to change. And, then, and you're going, yeah, I know. I got it. I got it. Or maybe financially, you keep getting further and further in debt. And you're going, oh, I've got it. It's all going to be okay. People have been maybe trying to get your attention. Your bill collector has been trying to get your attention. Okay? And you're going, no, nah, I got it. It's all good. I got it. Okay. You're headed for destruction. 
You're headed for destruction. There are a number of ways this can play out. Something at your job, maybe your job, they've been trying to tell you you're consistently late or you're doing this wrong. And maybe you've been prideful about it. And, but, you know, and they're like, but you keep on being late and you won't listen to anybody or whatever. And it's like, I got it. And you won't change. Wisdom says, I get out ahead of the change. I want to be sure that I'm, I'm, I'm allowing people to speak into my life. I want to be sure that as I do, that I consider and prayerfully consider what they're telling me. And then I ask God to give me the strength to move forward and to make wise choices. I want to ask you to pray with me today. We will spend more weeks in Proverbs looking at what a fool looks like. As, as I said, we'll look at anger next week and our emotions that are out of control. We'll look at foolishness with our finances. We're going to look at a number of different things. We'll look at things about our families. There's so much in Proverbs. We'll talk about our appetites that get out of control. The Bible, Proverbs, speaks much about that, from gluttony to drunkenness to sexual appetites that are uncontrolled. It destroys our lives. The fool lives with no thought to the future. So the application question that you want to leave with today is, am I willing to listen to other people? Am I teachable? Am I seeking out knowledge? Am I, am I reading? Am I, am I, you know, someone that I would invite someone who's a little further in their journey to speak into my life? Am I hypersensitive whenever someone tries to correct me? Do I blow up and are there areas that others who I know love me have been trying to tell me and I just keep rejecting that over and over again? Change is coming one way or another. Do I get out ahead of the change? Scripture says that a fool does not. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for not only saving us, but God, thank you for showing us how to live. I pray for the people of Eagles View Church, Lord. May we learn from your scriptures today. May we be like the wise man who builds his house, who hears the word, builds his house on those words of wisdom that are solid. And so when we deal with life, we are prepared. Lord, if we are living like this man building his house on the sand Bring correction as the Holy Spirit does, the loving correction in our lives. And Lord, may we listen to you and obey your word. We know that that's wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you.